Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge, Sons of Anarchy. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I nearly missed out on, like Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't watch until like four years after the last episode aired on TV, and I've watched nearly every year since, except for last year, which I was saving for this podcast. Today, we kick off our binge, get introduced to our beloved motorcycle enthusiasts, and begin the action-packed chaotic ride into the Sutterverse. Explosions, guns, motorcycles, drugs, crooked cops, not crooked cops, babies, and... Wait, babies? Yes, babies. And a long-lost book diary hidden inside of an old Harley manual. Let's do this the belated binge podcast before we get into it there will be spoilers this series wrapped up in 2014 i'll try not to give everything away but if you haven't seen it by now you're even later than i was there will also be adult language and situations especially with this show trigger warnings aplenty use earbuds if needed shout out to alex and Cade, the bonus binge squad for your own shoutouts and access to bonus episodes, join on patreon.com slash belated binge. There's a link in the show notes. And it's not all SOA over there either. Bonuses from all binge available on Patreon. Let's start off with the pilot, episode one of Sons of Anarchy. And I want to kick this off with this kind of silly idea that I had and it's I'm going to try to introduce each of these episodes as if it was like a rom-com or a romantic movie or some silly shit like that. Wish me luck. This should get interesting. Jax Teller is a handsome biker, as charming as his small town. He spends this episode struggling to balance his love for his closest friends, his family, his ex-wife, and his baby boy, Abel. Will he find a way to express his love effectively? Or will the stress of his lifestyle cause his anger to guide his actions? And how will discovering his late father's secret writings affect his relationship with those he loves most? Or worse, himself? I really hope I get better at that as we go along. No more nonsense! Let's jump into this crazy first episode of what might be the greatest drama ever shown on television. At least, that I've ever seen and that I'm absolutely biased about. Uh, Let's jump into my notes from this first episode. We open with the crows. No, literally crows. The blackbirds. Yeah, that's what we open with. We've got the music. We've got the thunder of a Harley coming down the road. And I'm giddy and here we go we've got the cool guy his name is Jax of course we don't know his name yet he's just this cool guy with a pretty face riding at night with no glasses no helmet and smoking a cigarette with it just dangling from his lips tell me you used a green screen without telling me is essentially what's happening here Uh, they do a ton of real riding on this show but for starters they wear helmets and thanks to Theo Rossi and Kim Coates, their podcasts, um, Reaper Reviews, we know that it was required by the network. And if this was really happening at the speed that he's supposed to be traveling, 
his eyes would be squinting, they'd be bloodshot, just absolutely destroyed by the wind. And on top of that, the cherry from that cigarette would be flying probably right into one of the, those pretty eyes of his, uh, if not down his shirt or, you know, in his hair, I don't know. Our outlaw biker would be wearing a different kind of patch is what I'm saying, probably trying out for a pirate show. And this is the part where I should say that if you're coming here after listening to Reaper Reviews, I promise I will not just be parroting, get it, parrot from the pirate joke, I I won't be just repeating what Theo and Kim had to say. Not only do I not have the inside knowledge of the show like they do after actually, you know, being in the show, I also have no interest in doing a parody of their podcast. However... I have no doubt that some of my reactions and opinions will be similar in some cases, and if I do share any tiny tidbits that I learned from them, I will credit them. Uh, This show is just about me watching as a fan who loves the show but doesn't take it too seriously either, so I'll poke fun at certain things when appropriate, I'll suspend disbelief at certain times because if anything in this show was actually real, it would have been a much, much shorter TV show. Not because there aren't really, you know, people in the world doing bad things, some of which do wear a patch. This show takes it to a level of what the fuck that even the smartest of criminals couldn't possibly get away with because it's so blatantly obvious that they did it. Um, Just throwing that out there, if, like I said, if you are coming here after wrapping up Reaper Reviews, welcome. I am so stoked to have you on the binge and let's let's get into this thing. Back to my notes on the episode. Good old Alvarez. Again, we don't know him yet. We don't know his name. We just see some guys robbing a house. But we can see that they're wearing cuts. And for those unfamiliar or wondering why that word was used in the show, a cut is another term for a leather vest worn by people who ride motorcycles. Uh, It's not even always leather. Sometimes it's like a jean jacket vest. Uh, The cut is just that the sleeves are cut off. Um, There are a lot of names for things that are used in biker culture, and cut is one that's pretty universal. Uh, Now, there is a little bit of a gray area on when it's appropriate to use the term cut. Uh, Some people say that you should only call it a cut when there's actually a patch on it, meaning that it's worn by a member of an MC or motorcycle club. Others say it's a cut as long as it's sleeveless and worn while riding a motorcycle. I'm not going to litigate the semantics of motorcycle culture on this podcast. Uh, I know very little about MCs. I have no first-hand personal experience to draw from in that life, and I've never been a member of a club, and therefore I claim no expertise in it whatsoever. Um, But if I do have a random nugget to share that I think might be interesting or helpful in your viewing of this particular show about an MC, I will share it. Uh, And while we're on that subject, I would highly recommend that you refer to these people as a motorcycle club and not a gang, uh, fictional or otherwise. Uh, There are a lot of different type of motorcycle clubs and organizations from riding clubs to organizations for a cause to 99% clubs that operate within the law and then the 1% of clubs that operate outside of it like our Sons of Anarchy are portraying. Uh, There's a lot of differences 
between these different types of clubs and organizations, but two things that every single one that's worth the salt have in common are a love of motorcycles and that they do not identify themselves as gang members. Um, now, the funny thing about this scene is that while we get some exposition in it, by the way, I'm back into the show. Um, if you hadn't noticed, uh, we do, we get some exposition. Uh, we hear about the guns that they're clearly stealing from this house. Uh, why this house has guns in it. Who knows? Uh, they talk about someone called the Niners and we see that they're not Caucasian and that their accents sound Hispanic, but we don't know who they are yet. We just saw Jax and his cut in the opening scene and we see these guys in cuts. Are they... Are they in the same club? Are they different clubs? Whose guns are these? We don't know any of this yet, but we do know what's left in that house is about to go boom. And that's not going to be good for the people that we just saw hiding under the trap door. Yikes. And now we're back to Jax. And one of our questions is answered pretty much immediately, because if you're paying close attention, the patches on the back of those other guys' cuts are not the same design as our pretty main character. Safe to say at this point, these are probably not friends. Uh, it's also probably not a stretch to think the guns might be his somehow. Uh, but he's just walking through the gas station. Clearly, the girl behind the counter is well aware of who he is and appears to be quite interested in his purchase of contraceptives. Uh, she also sneaks a baby book after seeing what he was looking at into his bag as she rings up the rest of his order. Uh, so he's got a baby or is expecting a baby and he's buying condoms. Probably a safe bet he's not happily married and settled down, but we'll get there. Right now, remember that boom I mentioned? Boom! And unless those people got out of there somehow, we have our first murder of the show, and we're maybe five minutes in. Here we go. Welcome to Charming, people. Next scene, it's morning, and four guys wearing matching cuts as Jack are riding to uh, the burnt-down house. Now, if they aren't seeing it until now, where exactly did Jack's run off to from the gas station? There's got to be a scene where he, like, rode to the house, saw what was going on, and got out of there before the cops and fire trucks showed up, I imagine. Because otherwise it doesn't make any sense that he witnesses an explosion when he apparently has a very vested interest in, and then just goes home to get a good night's sleep before taking a casual ride over with his buddies in the morning, just as the cops are, you know, there and firefighters are still putting out flames, I guess. I don't know. How late was it when the gas station scene was happening? We went from just pitch black dark out to sun fully ablaze and I want to know what's happening in between these two scenes. I just do. And that might give you an idea of how uh, how meticulous we might get at times on this show. Uh, we do get confirmation quickly that the first cop on the scene is a friend of this club and he's obviously going to work to help him get out of any you know backlash that could come from it and they already know who did it apparently so we've got a biker war crooked cops guns and explosions before the opening credits even take place how are you not hooked on this ride we also quickly see a bit of the hierarchy and dynamic at play Jax isn't the guy in charge but he does seem to be next in line based on his conversation in the scene and if you're reading the patches on their chest Jax is the vice president of this club, while Ron Perlman's character, a.k.a. Clay, is president. 
and I almost forgot about the deer in the windshield scene that happens next. I I don't know how I could have possibly forgotten this, but I almost did until just now. Well, just now, as in just now when I was watching this, not just now while I'm recording this, because, spoiler, I take the notes and then later record the episodes. <laughs> but Jax is telling this prospect to chop up this deer with a chainsaw, which is just absolutely hysterical. By the way, if you hadn't noticed, um, Prospect is not a, like, he doesn't have a full back patch on the back of his cut, so um, that'll come up a bit, and you'll start to catch on on how some of this stuff works, but if not, I will probably break character, or I guess not character, break um, cadence and uh, and talk through some of that as we go. Also, look how young Chibs looks. This is for rewatchers. Uh, the babyface Tig. Wow, it's it's a crazy reminder that this show started almost fifteen years ago. Sorry, I might have not been watching then, but I'm absolutely nostalgic now. And the flip phone. We have a flip phone. And now mom calls. Sure. Uh, And we get our confirmation that Jax is having a baby and apparently is no longer married to the mother who isn't currently talking to him. And then we see why. And this is what I have in my notes to say about Wendy. Pregnant, shooting up heroin. That's it. That's my entire notes. I don't have much else that I can say about the Wendy character from this opening scene. I just... That's it. Okay, moving on. Clay, meeting with the leader of the what we learn is called the One-Niners Gang to inform them of the explosion that has delayed shipment of the guns our motorcycle friends have apparently already sold them. The guy's definitely not happy about the delay. Clearly, they're not all that friendly. This is a business arrangement, not a friendship. This is also setting a clear stage uh, that this show's going to be dealing with a lot of conflict around race. So, if you are new to Sons of Anarchy and that is a difficult uh, topic for you, just be warned that that's, that's going to be common. We've got... African-American, you know, black gang members in Oakland who are beefing with a Mexican-Hispanic motorcycle club while buying their guns from Caucasian white motorcycle club who is also beefing with that same Mexican club. And this none of this looks great through a 2023 lens, but even back then, back almost 15 years ago, this show was clearly pushing boundaries of what you typically saw on television. And it's only the beginning. This is the light stuff. It's only going to get heavier, deeper, darker as we go along. So, ironically, it's kind of like Harry Potter in that way. If you're listening to my Potter binge and you're over here just because you enjoy that and maybe you're new to SOA, seasons one and two are kind of like Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. Bikes, bullets, some dark undertones, and difficult topics, sure, of course. But by season seven, we're Deathly Hallows, nobody is safe, and you can bet people we love are gonna die. (laughs) And, yeah. 
Tell me there's no parallels between Harry Potter and Sons of Anarchy. I will prove you wrong on this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, Anyways, Jax is looking for some baby stuff in this storage unit that his mom told him to go to on the phone, and he stumbles across an old dusty box. It's got pictures in it. Uh, we, We later learn this is his dad. It makes a ton of sense. It's his mom's storage unit. The guy's long hair, beard, biker baby pictures it kind of all kind of all makes sense and it seems like he's not around anymore Jax also finds some old manuals and like a random envelope that he opens for some reason because plot uh it says life and lies of albus dumbledore (laughs) i'm kidding i mean it actually says life and death of sam crow and it's dedicated to his sons Jax's dad wrote a book, apparently, which is interesting. Uh, and apparently he didn't want Jax to be wearing the cut that he's wearing right now. And I am sure that this book won't be important at any point in time in this series for the rest of the time. Best we forget about it and just move on. Speaking of foreshadowing, Halfsack, the prospect, he brings a box into the clubhouse and puts it under the pool table and then shows everyone why his name is Halfsack. Thank you for your service, but put your ball away, please. Uh, and if you don't know what a prospect is in an MC, as I mentioned before, they don't wear a uh, a full patch on the back of their cut, and there's a reason for that. We're getting a pretty good glimpse and, and a good sense that it's, it's not a very enjoyable title to have. Um, now we've got Chibs grabbing Jacks, uh, and we're headed for our first trip to the table. But first, Jax's mom, Gemma, finds his ex-wife passed out on the floor, apparently OD'd. Sweet. Now we're in action Jackson mode, and the rest of the club is as well. We're digging for intel on the Mayans, and we're apparently going to blow some shit up, which is awesome, but somebody named Opie's going to have to get tapped in to do the blowing up, and everybody but Jax seems to be okay with that. Still, it's his job to get Opie on board. Gemma comes to get the boys, and we're at the hospital. Clay's setting up more meetings like a mob boss, but Jax just looks murderous. He gets an explanation from the doctor, who he clearly knows that his baby was born premature from emergency C-section and has a bunch of health problems from the drug addiction of the mother, and also something genetic. They call it the family flaw. Uh, And the expectations at this point are not good. But instead of going to see his boy in the incubator, Jax goes to a bar and starts beating the shit out of some dudes that apparently sold her the drugs. Uh, And we're not going to talk about what he did with that pool stick, but I don't think that dude is having kids anytime soon. Now, Jax is going to go find this guy, Opie. We assume it's a guy, because it's club-related, and they're all guys. Uh, But he's going to find Opie. And this is where I get double giddy, because Gary Bertier is Opie. And I should probably explain that a little bit. Um, Remember the Titans is one of my favorite sports movies, and Ryan Hurst played the main character one of the main characters on that high school football team. Now he's playing whoever this Opie character is going to be, and let me tell you, by the end of all of this, 
Ryan Hurst, in my mind, went from forever being Gary Bertier to forever being Opie fucking Winston. And I'm excited. So now, Jax is trying to recruit him for this this job. And we get a few nuggets about Opie. Opie's currently trying to what he describes as earning straight. So uh, basically obtaining his wages in a way that falls within the law. And Jax, you know, kind of pushes him on it a little bit and says, you know, are you saying no to the club? And it's a bit awkward, but then it, then Obi kind of opens up a little bit to Jax. And you can see that these two have a rapport. They have, they, they look to be about the same age. They, um, they clearly have a connection that obviously predates this in a meaningful way. Obi starts to um, talk about how they're struggling for money. We learn that Opie just got out of jail. There's a clear, you know, uh, connection between, you know, going to jail and, and the club. And there's some friction there, particularly with his family at home. Um, and, and by the end of this conversation, though, Opie's in. And now we're back to the table. We're talking Nords. Apparently... This is a white supremacist group who is also into selling heroin. And in the morning, we're going to go steal our guns back from the Mayans, the Mexican Motorcycle Club. We've got ball busting and brotherhood in between. And it's it's a nice speech to Jax from an old guy named Piney, apparently Opie's dad. And uh, that's going to come up later, <laughs> FYI. Uh, and, and things are starting to kind of come into focus. This club has family ties. Opie and Jax are clearly the next generation. And, and that's what this is really about. It's, it's kind of a family affair, but it's chosen family in a lot of ways. Um, and now they come out and they found Half Sack's box. <laughs> because Clay is just, he cannot figure out what this smell is. He's been going on about it. And it's the deer head. No taxidermy, just a dead head in a box. And we clearly see that half sack is not all that particularly bright. <laughs> uh, and now we have a party, apparently. We've got women dancing. We've got guys fighting. It's toxic masculinity at its finest. And Jax throws a curveball. He suggests to Clay not rebuilding the gun warehouse. And Clay is clearly not a fan of this idea. I'm sure that won't come back up again either. And outside, the two of them do have a one-on-one. You know, Clay and Jack's talking about his baby, family. Clay knew his dad. We're getting a little bit of backstory or at least uh, some connective tissue between the two of them um, to show they, they obviously have personal ties that aren't just related to the patch that they both share. Uh, and and Clay kind of spins this into a speech and convinces Jax to go to the hospital and visit his baby boy. But he doesn't. He sees Wendy instead. He tells her she needs to get some help. Uh, he's more empathetic here than I think you would expect. If you If you really break this thing down a little bit, this is clearly a um, a very 
reactionary type of a person who is clearly prone to some violence based on what he just did to that guy in the bar. And this woman, who he's not with anymore, it's his ex-wife, so they obviously didn't work out for... (laughs) I'll give you a... I imagine there's a list of reasons, but, you know, some of them are probably between her toes and her arms. You would almost think that this human being would be reacting in an in a way of anger but he doesn't he he reacts more in a way of empathy like i said so um it's it starts to show some some dynamic uh and wendy tells jacks to of course go clean up her stash that's at his house that she's been living in by herself and now he's thrilled His mom's already there, and she's cleaning. And she's playing the role of optimistic grandma at this point, and Jax is playing the role of pessimistic dad. And just when you're ready to think that she's Betty fucking homemaker, she slaps the shit out of him for believing that his kid is going to die, and then just lights a joint. So, so much for betty homemaker uh we learn about the family flaw of the heart defect uh also that his dad was hit by a semi that's one way to go out and that there's irish ties uh in in their family as well there's so much foreshadowing in in all of this and like i said i'm gonna keep the spoilers kind of to a minimum i'll there's gonna be some obviously but i'm anticipating because of the podcast and uh the other binges that I've got going on. Some of you might be watching this show for the first time, so I don't want to completely ruin everything for you, um, but there's... You will remember this scene <laughs> as the uh, as the, the seven series play out, and uh, it's happening very early. Uh, and Jax asks about his dad's wishes when founding the club, and clearly Gemma's aware But she tries to play like she doesn't know the club's business. And she obviously knows more than she lets on. And and now we're we're flushing drugs down the toilet. Normal shit for a small town dad. And next thing we know, Jax's mom is fucking Clay. uh, Which is a whole new wrinkle to the family and club dynamic we didn't know about. And she is clearly pulling some strings here. And we get... Plenty of exposition before she, well, let's just say she won't be doing a lot of talking for a bit. Uh, I still don't understand why she gives a shit whether the club runs guns specifically or not, but maybe something I forgot's gonna gonna come back up. But Clay's obviously up. Although, if you look at the look on Clay's face, like he's even angry when he's getting a blowjob. This guy's just always mean mugging, apparently. Uh, anyway, now we're meeting the Nords. <laughs> a little coffee shop meetup with, I I don't know, Nazis? I don't Okay. So Jax wants to rip Darby's heart out of his chest, clearly. And Clay just wants to make sure that the Nords don't deal drugs in Charming, which is the name of this town, if you hadn't put that together. Uh, and we kind of see that the outlaw bikers are sort of playing the role of laying down the law in their local community, which is an interesting dynamic. And now we're jumping to Gemma and Tara. Uh, Tara is the doctor in the hospital. And it's this, it's this 
hallway scene, the two of them clearly um, have a history as well as Jack's, which makes sense. Gemma's Jack's mother, and so these two know each other. It's cold, it's tense. Um, Gemma has no love for Wendy in this situation, clearly, as they're talking about that. Um, we get the, we get the, you know, revealing of the lower back tattoo and, um, the two of them going back and forth a little bit. And now we're, now we're out of the hospital and we are over at Opie's house and Opie is packing up his things in the garage to go on this, call it a mission for the club, a job. Um, and Donna comes out and is not thrilled. They start fighting over what's in the bag and what he's going to do and it's very tense not comfortable um donna's kind of losing it a little bit and the kids see it and so does Jax. Jax tells him to stay decides he's gonna make everything go boom and tells opie to fix his family and again we get a we get a glimpse that one Jax already wasn't thrilled about bringing Opie in on this job, and two, Jax cares about Opie and his family as a person as much as he cares about the club. So this is we get we get more very quickly without a lot of um, without a lot of backstory um, that these two are close yet still not close enough to talk about Abel. So. Uh, now we're now we got a montage and we're gearing up for fucking combat. Uh, and Jax checks himself out in the mirror with his bulletproof vest on, which is something we would all do. I'm just saying, if you're if you're doing this, you're gonna look in the mirror because you're fucking Rambo at this point. Uh, and we learn during this montage that girls of all ages love bikers. And I just have to say, as someone with a Harley Davidson in his garage. Uh it is loud. It rumbles. It's not even I mean I it there are more um there are bigger, better, badder asser bikes than the one that I have, but it sounds like an eargasm every time I fire it up. And this riding montage gives me chills. Um albeit without the the dialogue that happens in between, but just the, I I don't know, there's something about it. Clay's not happy about Opie not being there. Uh, We're in staggered formation. We've got multiple people joining at different times, and here's my question. This looks sweet on screen, but how long were these dudes just, like, waiting, idling their bikes, just checking their flip phones? What if Jackson and Clay were late showing up? Are they just, like, do, 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 do. And now we're breaking to Elvis impersonator sound check. This was Bobby's gig. This is why Bobby, the club treasurer, couldn't do the boom because he had to go be Elvis apparently uh, because this is a way that he uh, gets some extra money because apparently he has ex-wives. And um, yeah, this is this is just hysterical. And the at at the gig it's been double booked bobby's not happy about it half sacks with him and asian elvis is a dick to him for no reason that won't be important i'm sure uh and now we cut to the crew breaking into a warehouse 
We cut to Jax's baby under the knife, cutting back to the crew, searching the warehouse, back to Asian Elvis, and Halfsack beats the shit out of him. And Asian Elvis stays in character the whole time. Oh, Lord, oh, oh, mama, mercy, oh, mama. It's hilarious, and also, fuck Asian Elvis. Now we're back to the crew who found their guns, back to the surgery, back to the crew. Jax is trying to wire the explosives, and he's like, shit, I gotta call Ope. And now the Mayans are coming home for the drama. Clay makes Jax come with him, and he wants to send a message. And he blames Jax for not being gone already. And Jax doesn't want to kill these guys. But he's, you know, he's in it. Like, we see that there's, there's, um, there's a, an understanding when you put that cut on and go out to do shit for the club that, you know, uh, you, you gotta do some shit (laughs) for the club, and, uh, I, I love, I just, I absolutely love his fake homeless song, where he, like, puts the blanket over me, it's really funny, and Clay gets his message across by shooting this dude in the throat, maybe remember that, uh, back to surgery, there's complications, back to Jax, he's not thrilled about having to kill a dude that's begging for his life, and he gets shot in the back, and shooting that guy's no problem. Uh, still, he doesn't want to. He he clearly just has a thing. He doesn't want to shoot someone point blank. And Clay's not really happy about this. Um, the guy that Jack's shot was Darby's guy. Uh, Clay shooting a sign uh, because bang, I guess. We're back to surgery. Abel's still hanging in there, which obviously is just the way that they cut back and forth here it really does a great job of like building the tension that while they're doing action shit and there's tension there there's also tension for Jax in his like family side of things with his baby and now the crew blows up the warehouse with the victims that they stuffed in a car one guy with dynamite in his ass crack because bang bang extra implied bang for him Uh, And now we're back at the hospital with Tara close up, deep breath. And Gemma stops by to see Wendy. Whoo, this one's going to get, this one's going to get tough. Um, She informs Wendy that Abel's alive after both surgeries. Gemma suggests that they say a prayer together. Not super spiritual, though. Uh, Gemma's trying to keep Wendy away from her family. She's not welcome, and it is not subtle. She's choking her, of course. That's that's what I mean by not subtle. Uh, and then gives her heroin inside a Bible and suggests she read it. Gemma wants her to kill herself as punishment for what she did to her baby Abel. And now we've got Jax and Tara. They hug. There's clearly history here, very, very intimate history and she sees blood on him and and now on her from their very awkwardly passionate embrace. And the line is, clean yourself up, Jax. And you get the feeling she's said this before. And now we've got Bobby Elvis singing the outro montage where Wendy is ODing again. Jax finally sees Abel. He's the only one in Scrubs? Gemma and Clay apparently don't need to be sanitary, I guess, and Gemma basically just committed, like, murder or, I don't know, manslaughter or, 
uh, at least was an accessory to Mer- I don't really know. Uh, and she's just chilling down the hall, I guess. And that's how this opening episode ends. What a pilot. <laughs> I forgot how many plot points got introduced just so early. There's so much going on in this show. All right, so from my count, and this was this was off the top of my head when I was doing these notes. I didn't like rewatch the episode a second time just to write these down. This was just after I watched it and like took my took my notes. I was like, "Wow, we've got look at all this that we have going on." I just started, you know, jotting them down. An MC conflict with the Mayans, a setback in our own gun distribution business which causes a conflict with our buyer, the One Niners gang, out of Oakland, and an internal conflict between Jax and Clay over the future of said gun business, and that gets extended to include Jax's mom, Gemma, as well, and through that, we catch wind of looming law enforcement conflict from the ATF, we have a conflict with the white supremacy and drug dealer group, the Nords, we have a conflict with Jax's ex-wife, Wendy, about her drug addiction and pregnancy for Jax as well as Gemma. There's an apparent conflict between the doctor, Tara, and Gemma. There's a premature birth and a baby surgery for Abel. There's a conflict between Opie and the club and Opie and his wife about the club. And there's even an Elvis conflict. This is the pilot. (laughs) And we have so many conflicts to see play out. And there's so much foreshadowing. And... Um, like I said, I think I'm going to keep the spoilers to a minimum here, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be some first time watchers, uh, that are going to be really, really, um, really intrigued, uh, when some of this stuff, uh, that is foreshadowed plays out. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm going to do my best and not go crazy talking about, uh, how all of it will play out specifically. That's the goal for now. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I do. But before we get out of here, we got to do one more thing. And this is an idea that has gone over well on the Harry Potter binge, so I'm bringing it here too. We are going to rewrite Sons of Anarchy one small change to each episode at a time. I'll pose a question, and you can tell me what the impact will be on the episode and the wider story. For this first pilot episode, the question is... What if Wendy actually did OD in the hospital from Gemma's eh, Bible advice? I expect some real doozies of ideas on what that does to our story. These questions will be shared on social media. You can follow at BelatedBinge across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There's also an exclusive Facebook group for listeners of the podcast. Uh, The best responses are going to be included in a future episode of this podcast. And if you you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed this first episode of re-binging Sons of Anarchy, go ahead and give me a follow, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. But if, if you could give me a review on Apple Podcasts specifically, if you have an iPhone, even if you don't listen over there, that could be super helpful for the podcast to get discovered and grow. I'd also welcome you to check out my other binges of The Office and the Harry Potter books. Uh, They're all right here on this same feed, so they're not hard to find if you found this. 
visit belatedbinge.com to find links to social, Patreon. Uh, you can also leave a voicemail with your own thoughts. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. And remember, life is short. Buy the motorcycle. And when you do, wear a helmet, dress for the slide, not the ride, and make sure you're taking belated binge along for that ride.